Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. The show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Uh, Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution insured by the FDIC. And on this show, we discuss topics designed to help small business help small business succeed because at Embassy National Bank, we tell everybody to turn their cell phones off before we start the show. But no, we're proud of how we help how we help small business. In fact, we consider ourselves a champion of small business. I'm Joe Moss, your host and president at Embassy National Bank, and uh, we welcome you to the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio. So, I am uh, turning down my phone. There we go. Today, we're going to talk about, as you know, one of our favorite subjects, leadership, and we have a real good person to talk about it. We're here with Mr. Bruce Good. Hi, how are you? We're good. We're good. I'm glad you're here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. You come very highly recommended. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the alternative, right? Yeah, I was worried about that. Right. And uh, Bruce has created Pathways to Partnership, PathwaysStonesPartnership.com. And uh, he is the owner and coach of that group. So, Bruce, I want you to talk about what your background is, and then we're going to get in to some of your experiences on leadership. Yeah, so my background, um, I uh, spent uh, my entire career working for two companies in the medical device field, uh, companies that manufacture medical devices like uh, test equipment uh, for hospitals, diabetes care, stents for patients, pharmaceuticals, things like that. So I uh, worked for two companies. Uh, uh, the only two places I ever worked in my life until I retired. I decided to retire early about a year ago because I couldn't stand the cold weather anymore and moved down to... Uh, Where were you? I was in uh, the frozen tundra of northern Illinois. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Got it. Not as bad as Minnesota, but still pretty bad. Pretty close, yeah. Were you on the on the lake? Um, I was uh, close to the lake, probably a couple miles away, and right on the uh, Wisconsin border. So, yeah, I know a exactly border that you probably don't want to live on is the Wisconsin border. It can be very cold up there. Very cold. Okay, and so you came down this way. Now, your the two companies were Abbott and Bayer Di- Diagnostics. That's correct. And so, were you at Abbott first, Bayer second, or how did that work? Yeah, so I started my career at Bayer. I was there for uh, like twenty four years. Um, Abbott uh, Laboratories, a competitive company, offered me uh, maybe an offer I couldn't refuse. So I left uh, Bayer and went to Abbott, and I was there for 10 years. I was uh, vice president of quality and regulatory affairs for uh, one of the divisions there. Decided the stock price was good. The weather was going to get cold again, so it was time to go. Well, you're a smart man. Uh, Most of the time, yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome to the South. And I'm sure you'll uh, find a home here. Most I love it do. here. I love Most it Most people here. do. Well, wow, you visited here before you moved down, right? Yeah, my son lives in Swanee, so there I've been go. here a lot. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was an easy choice for me. Good. Just in time to see the Braves, the Marietta Braves, kick off their new season. Yeah, that's that's what it was. <laughs> okay. Anyway, 
Well, you have been working with very well-respected and revered, revered leaders, and you have a great quote here. They all saw challenges facing them as opportunities to build upon those hurdles to create something better. Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so that's really a personal story. Uh, it's about my life. You know, I grew up with nothing. Uh, I grew up very small for my age. My claim to fame when I was a freshman in high school was I was chosen to be the elf to carry the homecoming queen's crown because I was four foot nine and weighed 90 pounds. So, were you on the wrestling team? No. Okay. No. Because I need folks like you on the wrestling team. Yeah, they they tried to get me on the wrestling team, but uh, didn't do it. So, uh, you know, I grew up poor. Uh, My father was uneducated, did nothing with me. I spent a lot of time by myself. So when other kids were with their dad, I was by myself. He had an alcohol problem. There were a lot of experiences in my life that could have been things that were either obstacles for me or things that that I I could turn into... uh, building blocks for the future. And it's really all about what you choose to do with that. And uh, for me, um, all of the things that went on in my life when I was younger are things that, you know, I would not let them be obstacles. You know, I had to try harder than everybody else because I was small, but that made me an overachiever. I spent a lot of time by myself because my dad wasn't around. He never went to any event that I ever did when I was a kid. That uh, caused me to have a vivid imagination, which made me a great brainstorm in business. You know, my parents ended up divorcing. Uh, My father had a very unhealthy lifestyle. Those are all things that they can follow you and haunt you. If you let them. If you let them, or you can take them and turn them into what I call pathway stones, hence where the name of the company comes from, uh, to build a better future. And uh, I try to go around and motivate people to understand that that you have two choices with with your life. Um, your life is part of you, whether it's good experiences or bad, they're all part of you. They make you up. It's what you decide to do with that. And not everybody has nothing but good experiences, do they? You know, I would think if people wrote them down, I think it's probably a, a, a level playing field. You have as many bad experiences as you do good, but they are all experiences and they all matter and they all make you what you are. Now, where does this oomph, I'll call it, come from? Boy, I tell you, um, I am a very positive guy. I have a very high energy level. Uh, I've never let anything become an obstacle for me. And, uh, you know, what made me successful in business are really all of the things that I learned from some of the negative experiences in life. And uh, that allowed me to uh, be a good motivator for the people who work for me. In in, uh, my last job, I had like 1,200 employees working for for me. Mm -hmm. And I had opportunity. And and when I started at at Abbott, uh, the part of the company that I started at was in a very, very bad spot with uh, the Food and Drug Administration, something that took What year would that have been? That would have been uh, 2004. Okay. And, uh, you know, we had to turn that whole business around. And we did it. And we had a whole bunch of people who were not motivated to be successful. And we we changed that. And we changed it through, uh, I think, some very good leadership principles. And if you do you spend a lot of time with the uh, the small business community? You know, I do. As far as my experience is concerned, even though I've worked for very large companies, it doesn't really matter the size of the organization. I think the problems are, are basically the same, the issues. And a lot of the issues are about leadership. 
And can you uh, take raw leaders and turn them into what, what they need to be to be successful? Is everyone a leader? You know, um, in some way, I believe that everybody has leadership capabilities. I think that a lot of companies take time using leadership training programs to uh, try to identify leaders. And I think that that really should be the thing that you do after you find the leaders. Leaders are not about what level they are in the organization. You can have somebody who's washing dishes in the laboratory be a leader in some ways or have the leadership capabilities that, that need to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. And I think that not everybody is going to get to the highest level of the organization. But, you know, leadership is not always about what level of the organization that you, you uh, aspire to. It's about what can you do in the environment that you're in. What difference are you making? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to be the best speaker. You, you, you just need to be the best leader. And, and, and it's amazing. You know, I, I watch I've had the opportunity to watch people a lot through my career. And, and, you know, you can look at somebody and you can figure out who are people following and nobody has to tell them to do it. You just watch and you see it. Yeah. I don't know who said this, but I really like it. It's leaders emerge. They're not chosen. I think that's a great, that's a great quote. Uh, and if I can expand on a little, a little bit, one of the things that that's one of my programs is, is about leading in the dark. And what I'm talking about there is not talking about darkness, but I'm talking about the ability to find leaders who can lead when there is no path, right? And they mm-hmm. have to make the path and they have to lead the organization down a path that is, that is very unclear in very, uh, uh, in a lot of turmoil and, and uncertain conditions. Those are leaders that are special. Everybody has the opportunity to lead when things are going great. When they're not, that's when you really see what I think are the, the special leaders. That's when they emerge. And what I have experienced is that leaders uh, a lot of times fill a vacuum um, where maybe a strategy hasn't been properly enunciated or bought into and they're the ones that pick up on that and then create something that everybody can follow. I think that's a great point. And if I can just kind of add to that, I call that expanding your sphere of influence. You will find that leaders who are really good leaders, they will they they will expand their sphere of influence and nobody has to tell them to do it. You know, and they're not trying to step they just on do some, it. They just do it because they have that ability to do it. And they're it. not really trying to do it either. Uh, you know, you will have some people who are trying to, you know, enhance their career. True leaders are worried about the situation at hand. Right. And can they get in and do what needs to be done and not worry about whose job is it? Right. Yeah. I, uh, I heard once I heard somebody comment that, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a, in his small organization, he had the ability to a lot of people there were used to the old hierarchy type of organization chart. And as a result of trying to change that to make it fit the company more, uh, there was a lot of resistance to try to change it. He threw up his hands and he just basically said, you know what? There aren't that many people here. We're just going to plow forward. Whoever wants to get on the train, let's get on the train and get this done. I don't care who you report to. I think that's, there's, there's a lesson in there. You know, I, when I took, first took my job at Abbott and was put into this very, very precarious role, 
uh, turning an organization around. You do not know how many people came to my office and said, hey, I'd like to be part of your organization. What level can I be in your organization? Right. Which is the wrong question. Right. Right. The right question is, what can I do to help you? Correct. And where can my skills match up with what you need to have, have done? And that's what I think true leaders do. And that's what effective, we found out on another program and subsequently that that's what effective salespeople do. They're quite humble. They come in and say, how can I help you? And they listen first to hear the problem. And then they start suggesting, well, maybe here's a solution that I can help you do. And they're, they tend to be the most effective. So it falls, follows through in an organization that that would be the same. I think, you know, I, I could share an example, if I could, Joe, of when I was being interviewed at Abbott uh, for my, uh, the position that, that I, I took. I walk into the number two guy in the entire company's office. He sits me down on the couch and says, is there anything I can get for you? Right. Servant leader. Right. They are hard to come by. And they're the best. Right. Right. And, um, and throughout time, servant leaders are the, mo the more effective. My experience has been that they are by far the most effective because people understand that it is not their agenda. It's the team agenda. People get behind the team agenda. They don't worry about the leader. What, what is he trying to prove? He's trying to do. He's trying to solve, and people get behind those leaders, and I think they're the most effective. So does that preclude doing organization charts and deciding who reports to who? I don't think so. I, 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 I don't. I tend to like flat organizations, you know, as opposed to hierarchical sure. organizations. But they both can work if you have the right, the right kind of leadership. I think org charts are important. Uh, people uh, need them, don't they? People need them. People need to know where they fit. Where do where do they aspire to? Those things are 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 important, but they're important only in light of what does the organization need to do to be effective and win. Right. And um, in in a lot of cases, um, I saw an organization change that, and it 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 was the they called it the the mentor line of reporting. This is the person you go to for administrative questions, uh, issues you may be having, but your direction will come from product leaders, uh, think leaders, that type of thing. And on any given day, you're going to find yourself, quote, reporting to somebody different. And that tends to work pretty well. I think it does. And again, you, you, know, you have to have people in the organization who are not insecure in what their role is. You know, and uh, if you can do that, I think those kind of uh, those kind of organizations are very effective. I've I've had uh, situations where I have somebody in charge that said, "Well, this person's in charge of the, the of the group," but in th in three weeks, somebody else can be in charge. Sure, a lot of times the person in charge may have gotten there, uh, maybe not the correct way. A few weeks later, you're going to find out that they're trying to push them aside. That does happen. Uh, I think that uh, I think you need to identify what your pool of leaders are and be willing to interchange them when you can. Because again, I, I talk about this concept of leading in the dark. I really like the concept of of taking people, putting them in situations they're not comfortable with, and, and letting letting us see what they can do. And you will find that some people are just not going to have what you're looking for. Right. You're listening to Bruce Good. 
He is the owner of Pathways, PathwaysStonesPartnership.com. I'm reading it as a URL, and I'm trying to put the S with the Pathways, but PathwaysStonePartnership.com. And uh, we're having a great conversation about some experiences that have led him to really tackle this whole leadership phenomenon out there. So in these large organizations, you weren't in some group that this is how we're going to teach everybody to lead. These are just skills that you've just developed over time. Yeah. And I think the key word there, Joe, is develop, right? I mean, I, th- I don't think that leaders are born, but I do think people are born with instincts, which are good uh leadership instincts. And Mm -hmm. what you have to do is through experiences, I don't like to use use the word training, but but through experiences, nurture that. And what you'll find is new leaders are always looking for ways to make themselves better. I think most of the time they know what their good instincts are, but they're always looking for somebody to teach them how to use them better. So what are some of the mistakes that a CEO or president of of a company that's got 50 employees. Um, what kind of mistakes do you see them making? I, I, you know, I want, we learn more from mistakes than we do from wins, but we, I, I do want you to kind of address the mistakes thing, things that you have heard uh, from employees, from them that, that you were able to counsel with. Okay. So I like to call it the Cub Scout medal or Cub Scout badge, uh, scenario where you look at somebody and you say, well, they've been here a long time or they've done a lot of things or they've attended a lot of courses and they've done this and they've done that and they've had decent performance reviews, so they must be a leader, right? And the reality is most of those things have nothing to do with leadership. Uh, But we tend to fall into, well, I either like this guy or he's been around a lot and he's done a lot of things, so let's let's put him there. And, And the reality is um, a lot of companies fall into that, and then they're afraid to make the change when it when they know they've made a mistake, and mm-hmm. and, and and by then sometimes the damage is already done. All right, let's stop right there. They're afraid to make a change, even though they've made a mistake. Why is that? Oh, well, one of the reasons is it it looks like they're not being a good leader uh, by not recognizing it and saying it right. When the reality is they're being a better leader when they say, you know what, this isn't working, so let's make a Let's make a change here. Let, let's go a different direction. That that to me shows a whole lot more leadership than saying we're going to stay the course because I don't want to look I don't want to look bad. Yeah, and you walk into a boardroom type of atmosphere in today's world. If you say, "Look, that change I made, it didn't work. We got to go a different direction," there are folks that are going to take that as a weakness. They will, but but I think you have to follow that up with here's the thing that we didn't do right. Here's what we're going to do different. And here's what the benefit is of that, right. and and here's what the turnaround point is. I think if you go in and say, well, we made a mistake, but we don't want to, we don't really know what to do next, or we made a mistake, we're going to throw somebody else at it. Yeah, that's that's going to have negative con- connotations. But you know, there's the short term negative, and there's the long term negative, right? And a lot of times we don't want to make the short term negative statement because we're afraid of we're afraid. And the reality is by not doing that, we end up with a problem that we can't get out of. Yeah, and typically in the very, very large companies, the boards have to change their executive management because the executive management didn't want to admit that there was a problem, and they got to make it for them. That happens, and, and usually when that happens, it's not a leadership decision that's being made. Correct, correct. So um, going back to the to the 50 people in a small business, uh, the Cub 
the Cub Scout badge, what do you want to call that again, Boy Scout badge system, and then the failure to, uh, the unwillingness to admit a mistake. Talk about some other things. I think I think there's a, a lack of willingness to take somebody who may not have the right experience and let them go at it. And the reality is you will not find leaders, uh, the, 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 the ones who can, as I call, lead in the dark unless you put them in scenarios that they're uncomfortable with. And it's your, quite frankly, you're a little bit uncomfortable with mm-hmm. because those leaders will figure it out. You know, I'll never forget one of the things that I did. I, I took a new job and, and the guy who was, was leaving, I was taking his position. I got chosen over him. So he was still the, uh, the person and I'm supposed to spend weeks with him about his job. And I thought, you know, I really don't need to do that. I just need to get in there and do it because mm-hmm. I, 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 I got to figure it out, right? And, and you will find that great leaders do that. And sometimes there's a hesitancy to take person A, let's say Sally, and put her in a role uh, that, that maybe she's not comfortable in or she's not done before. Uh, and it, it gets back to that, well, she didn't have the experience. Well, I, I tell you what, good leaders figure it out, and you have to let them try to do that. Okay. All right. So as – as you're managing or as you're as an owner of these 50 of this company with 50 employees, what are some of the signs you look for that someone has leadership capability? Well, first off, they're not worried about their job description. They're worried about what they can do to make a difference. And they will show up in a meeting that you, you're looking at. I don't know why you're here because you don't have the it's not on your business card, but you stand up and you give a presentation that wows us about something that we didn't know you could do, mm-hmm. right? They're looking for the thing where they can contribute, right? And uh, I, some of the best leaders that I know, they became uh, excellent because they went and did something that they, quite frankly, wasn't their job, but they were A, not afraid to share the credit. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, give the credit to somebody else. I just want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they surprise you, you know, and, and those are the people that you want to nurture, you know, the ones who are willing to do that. The ones who say, well, you know, it's not my job and so I'm not going to participate. They probably shouldn't be going to a leadership development program. And, and you're looking for people that will just step up. You're looking for people who can step up. Here's where we need to go and people start stepping up. Right. And what they need from their bosses is their bosses need to quit looking at the org chart and say, well, this person's got what I need to do this, so I'm going to let them do it. Right. But real good, real good thoughts. Um, so what are some of the good things that you've seen happen within, say, a 50 to 75 person organization? I think one of the best things that, that um, I've seen is that there's a couple things. One is you care about the people in the organization personally. It isn't just about, you know, what they deliver to you because part of what they deliver to you is about what they are personally, mm-hmm. right? So recognizing that as a, as a key thing, I used to do a lot of management by walking around, right? And people I don't know much about, say, hey, what's going on? You know, right. how are things at home? You know, what's happening? You know, um, how'd your kid do the other day in that game? You know, is there anything I, I can do to help you? Right. Those are things that that I think are are good things that people do. And the other thing is, you know, get a bunch of people in a room, let them brainstorm. Right. And, and not worry about if it's your idea or not. But a lot of times some of the best ideas is you throw out that what I call a brainstorming seed mm-hmm. and then you let the organization run wild with it. And they come up with the best plan ever. And, and again, 
It's across the organization. It isn't a little group. It's not a specified part of the organization that has to do that. You get you get those seeds from anywhere, and you should a, use them. You just gave me an idea, as a matter of fact. Um, something I've been working on, but I've figured out how we can really make this thing work, make it work. But um, you know, going back to the MBWA, one thing that um, I, I always contend in today's world, and it may have been for always, but in, certainly in today's world. There are a lot of smart people out there, a lot of intuitive people out there. Um, if you've done your hiring right, then everybody in your organization, uh, whether it be a low-salaried person all the way up, is going to have s- some smarts, and they're going to be intuitive. They can sense fakeness. So if someone's mbwa and they come across this fake or, oh, I saw this in a leadership book, um, it's going to hurt. Sure. And uh, so you've got to, I think you just have to try to be yourself, right? You do. You have to be genuine. And and I I go back to my experience at Abbott. You know, I walked into an organization that was the whipping boy for the entire company, right? Quality, quality organization. They're responsible for all of our problems, right? Mm Mm-hmm. They, you know, all the issues that, that, that our company was having at, at the time with the Food and Drug Administration were, were um, things that were crippling the business, you know. And you had a whole bunch of people who really didn't want to be in their jobs. Mm-hmm. They needed somebody who said, here's our path. You matter. Here's how you matter. And, and, and I'm going to take, I'm going to invest in you. I, I tell you what, I spent a lot of weeks on the road around the world face-to-face with my global organization so that they understood that there was somebody behind the name. And and that mattered a lot to them. Just showing you care. Absolutely. That you're human. And it's okay to admit mistakes. Oh, and we had some. <laughs> yeah. We definitely had some. Yeah. Um, but, it's you know, it, uh, you got to – I guess the one thing that I was always told is um, don't surprise me. Don't come telling me uh, in the you know the the big six consulting world. Don't come tell me that uh, you know you're fifty percent over budget. You're not going to be able to collect it. Tell me right now what my issue is, and don't surprise me on the back end. That's a great point. And, and to me, it's always about tendencies. Tell me what the tendency is. Where do you see this thing going? Tell me as soon as you possibly can. I need to know the good news and the bad news because guess what. It's all data. It's all information. It's not always going to be good. No matter what you say, it's not always going to be good. But it's still information that you have to do something with. You know, data doesn't have a personality. Mm-hmm. If it's good data, that's great. If it's bad data, it's still data, and you have to do something with it. Right. And you have to teach your organization to be unafraid to stand up and say, you know what, there's a wart here, and, and if we don't do something about it now, it's going to get us later. Especially apropos back, back there in the Great Recession days here in Atlanta where you, you, you're supposed to identify problems before they occurred. And that was very helpful to organizations and boardrooms to try to figure out exactly where they were. The, the companies that, that a lot of the banks that failed were those that never admitted they had a problem. And then all of a sudden at the end, boom. And uh, if they hadn't kept their head in the sand... They might have had a chance to pull out of it, but the ones that I always saw were effective embraced the fact that we've got problems. You, you know, it's a, it, 
A good example, uh, Joe, of, of that, you know, when, I, when I go back to this concept of leaders who can lead in the dark, is they can see around the next curve. Mm-hmm. It may be dark, but they can still see around the next curve, and they can anticipate what the next thing is. And that level of anticipation is a rare gift. And not only do they anticipate the issue, they say, here's what we're going to do to get ahead of it. And I'm going to tell you about it now. I'm not going to wait until we're there and it's right in front of us and we're going to crash into it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that it's there and here's what we can do to get around it. And it's okay even for number one, it's okay to admit I need some help. You, a lot of times you don't see that where they grab somebody, a board member or something. Hey, I need help here. What do you think? I think great leaders are, are the ones who are, are, are unafraid to ask for help, right? You know, uh, I talked about, you know, I, I've been a, a pretty good uh, brainstormer and idea generator. But a lot of times what I do is I would generate part of the idea and you let the audience flush it out, right? And that's where you come up with the great uh, next thing to do. And, and I think you're lost without that ability to do that. You try to do it by yourself, you're probably going to suffer by yourself. Right. And, and I would go into organizations and, and uh, the, the say, okay, take a look. We've got something going on that's not right, da 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 And I'd go around, talk to people, and put it on the table, and, and then somebody w- would come up and say, you know what? I had this idea a year ago. Uh, why do they need to pay someone like you to tell them what the problems are? And uh, good question, um, but it does happen. But a lot of times, the answers are right there. I think I think most of the time the answers are right there. Sometimes it's good to have somebody outside, you know, wake you up and say, you know, it's right there in front of you, and you, maybe you didn't see it, but it really is there. But but the key thing is, I think great leaders are constantly canvassing the organization, looking for information, and they're not afraid to go ask anybody at any level what they think. I tell you what, we were going through a thing where we had to revise every document that we had because people couldn't follow them. And a lot of times it was the people online said, yeah, I don't even do that step because it doesn't even make any sense. Right. And you go, well, did you say something to somebody? Oh, yeah, but they didn't want to listen to me because I'm, you know, three steps down in the organization. Right. Well, boy, what a nugget was there. Right. That whole time. We had a situation in, uh, back in the 80s where um, I was doing some efficiency work and there was a lady that at the end of the day would take a report off the computer and would go through and mark certain customers as having a relationship in another part of the bank and at the end of the day she'd take that computer printout very diligently go and leave it at the uh, door of the data processing department and go home and um, uh, next day she'd come in and grab the report do what she had to do and leave it on the and I said well data processing what are you doing with this oh I don't know what that is we just keep throwing it out it, you know and I had to break it to the late I did really didn't break it to her but uh, we Let's put it this way. We guided her efforts other places and uh, made her a lot more effective as a result. I can share a thousand stories like that where people are doing something and A, nobody knows why they're doing it. Even the people who are doing it don't know why they're doing it. The The sad thing is when they tell somebody, hey, you know, does anybody do anything with this? And people say, just keep doing it. Right. Just keep doing it. Right. Right. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Um, I had a... Um, lady one time um, who worked uh, at a bank I was running and uh, she had a sign on her desk that said bloom where you're planted and I thought about that and thought about that I started making it my own little 
personal motto and ask everybody to do the same. Um, wherever you are, you got to do the best you can do. And I think that's where you start finding leaders as well. If they're performing well, just because they need to, I mean, not because you've told them to, but because that's just in them. They try to make where they are better. You know, I, I, I think that's a great statement because I'll even go a step further. I, I don't think they can see it any other way. Good leaders can't see it any other way. They're going to go, you know what? I, I got to dig around in here and figure out how to make a difference. But guess what? This is where I'm at. I'm not somewhere else. I'm going to make a difference here. And guess what? They do. It's the ones who say, well, boy, I just hate being here and I'm going to just kind of muddle around until something else comes up. Guess what? The good leader will go in there, transform their world around them, expand their sphere of influence. They'll become invaluable in that area, which makes them invaluable for the corp- for the organization. Yeah, and in the banking world, again, back in the Great Recession, there was a lot of that going on where you were taken from the job that you were used to doing and forced to do something else. And um, and there were, I, I noticed there were people that embraced it, um, but there were people that did not. They just thought that somehow I would get, um, they would think to themselves, I'm going to find that job I really like. Resumes out all the time, but they're miserable. Um, so just em- you know, embrace where you are, and the more good work you do on here, you're probably going to learn something, and it's going to be noticed, and you're going to get picked up somewhere else. If I could tell a story about that, Joe, you know, when I went to work at Abbott, I was in a corporate role and I was doing very well in this corporate role. And some business, uh, one of our business uh, in California wanted me to come in and be the quality regulatory head there. And I was already accepted the position. Right. And uh, some emergency uh, came up in the diagnostics business. And the head of the company said, guess what? Uh, you're not going to California. We, we need you here. It was not the job I wanted. It was the job nobody wanted, right? Mm-hmm. It changed my life. I took that job. I you know, made a great career out of it. We turned the business around. One of the best stories in, in our company's history is turning that business around. And I was part of that. But I can tell you that wasn't the job I wanted to go to. But that's a great example of blooming where you're planted. So mm-hmm. I went in there and did what I needed to do and it was a great career for me. It was a great turnaround for the business, and I was part of it. And we, uh, you know, when you get to transform something like that and be part of it, it 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 will change your life. And that to me is the best example I can think of of doing exactly what you said. Right, blooming where you're planted. Yeah, and um, a lot of times, um, I remember when I was younger, uh, one of my very first projects that I was put on, I really knew nothing about the subject, and I was with three or four gentlemen who knew a lot about the subject and they said well go look at this over here and uh, what we were trying to do is figure out ways to clear checks faster through a bank and uh, i went over there which was a area where the checks came in at night uh, during the day and they processed them and then they uh, sent them on their way i went i didn't know anything i said you know what uh you guys come to work at eight in the morning I got here this morning at about four and your mailbox was full. It was completely full of checks and you started working on about nine and guess what? There's a two o'clock deadline in the afternoon. So if you get all that work done, that's there by two, this bank will pick up a whole day 
of extra availability because they clear the check faster. Oh, I went back to the room and said, here's what I, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Why can't we do that? I don't So anyway, I kept pushing and finally found someone and listened to me, one of the higher ups. And they said, within a week, they changed the, the scheduling of that particular department. They were all coming in at four, didn't like it, but they got to go home, go home at noon. And guess what? All the work was done and the bank picked up a lot of money. So sometimes you're right. You just get thrown into something you don't know about and, but just you're a smart person, figure it out. And you know what? I think that's the difference. When I think of the best leaders, it is not about how many Cub Scout badges they got. It's about their ability to do what you just said. When I took the position at Abbott that I didn't want to take, but I felt like I had to because that's where the company needed me. You do not know how many times people said, well, that's not how we do things here. Yeah. I go, got it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, by the way, it's also, you talk about merit badges. It's also not about diplomas. No, I can. I, I have an opinion about that. <laughs> it's not about diplomas. Um, but I won't go there today. I don't want to offend people. But it's all about blooming where you're planning, getting the job done, making it better than what you found. It's the old Boy Scout thing. Make it better than what you found it. I think it's it it's this, right? You're going to be a great leader if you have a lot of Cub Scout badges and you're a great leader, if you have a lot of titles and you're a great leader, or if you have no titles and you're a great leader. It's about being a great leader. Right, right, right. Oh, the frustrating thing I is I like to do this. I like to give someone young a um, a project, and I see what their reaction is. You know, some of them will just go, well, I don't know what to do. And then others, a week later, will come back with this beautiful piece of work that I wasn't expecting. You know, it's all about bingo. What, you know, how do you think about all these things? And a lot of the young people, if I could, if anybody are listening out there, that when you get on a job and you think it's demeaning and that, oh, just wait five years, I'll probably get something better. That's the wrong attitude. I, I have a, when people come in and interview with me, some of the young folks right out of college, even if they've got MBAs, um, I ask them this question, do you like making copies? And, um, they'll go, oh, I would expect to find someone else to do that. So no, you need to perform at every level of your job. And around here, you're going to be making copies. You're going to be printing stuff. You're going to be doing the whole thing. And you got to have a smile on your face when you do it. I think be, being able to get the, the job that you want is about doing the job that you have extremely well, and, and that's the, the best ticket to get there. If you do that, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, there's something more for that person. Right. Absolutely. Um, Bruce, we're at the end. Fascinating conversation. Um, I would like to spend more time on it, um, and we'll do that in a subsequent show, which we can do probably six weeks from now. But, but I want you to just kind of give some parting words of wisdom, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I'll just say this. There, there's, there's, um, everybody's looking for leaders. They're there to be found. I, I, I think that many times you find them, uh, in the areas that you don't, that you're really not looking for them. And I would encourage everybody to kind of step outside the, the normal ways that we try to find leaders and, and look, at them, look for them a little differently. Put, take some people, put them in some scenarios 
where they can't really see what direction to go and watch what they do. You will be amazed when you find these people who have these special skills that can lead in the middle of chaos, lead when they can't see what's in front of them, and get everybody else to follow them uh, uh, on the right path. That's good advice. Very good advice. Well, um, today we've been listening to Bruce Good, and he runs a company called PathwayStonesPartnership.com, a company that's, uh, that he has created. His number is 224-330-9038, and uh, his email is bruce at pathwaystonespartnership.com. And I would encourage any of you small business owners that have an issue out there or don't feel like the company is quite running at full speed, give Bruce a call. Um, sounds like someone that could come in and uh, really diagnose pretty quickly. Um, so... That's the show for today. This has been On The Money, the number one small business show at Business Radio X. Uh, On The Money is presented by Embassy National Bank. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one. And you can listen to any of our shows anytime by visiting onthemoney.businessradiox.com. We're also out there on iTunes for a free download. Uh, You can also watch our shows on the Business Radio X Gwinnett YouTube channel, although today we did not have video. I wish we had, but uh, we don't, so enjoy the audio. And until next time, I'm Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank. And remember, we talked about a couple of things out there, and I I think I'm going to add one today. Be careful out there. It's a tough world. Leave fear in the back seat. One thing that good leaders do is they charge forward stay authentic and i think i'm going to add the last one bloom where you're planted so um anyway that's the show for today and we will see you next time thank you bruce